John chapter 8, if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to the Gospel of John chapter 8. I want to return to a thought that I touched on this morning as we looked at these verses here in John 8. It's the danger of unbelief. We saw it in the exchange, uh, the exchange that Jesus had with those who were, who were opposing him, seeking to kill him. The, uh, ironically, it was the Jewish religious leaders. The ones who should have known better. This, uh, this thought that we dealt with this morning briefly, it's that danger of unbelief, and we saw it in the exchange that Jesus had with these Jewish religious leaders that he's speaking to. Look again at uh, John 8, verses 21 through 24, and follow along in your Bible as I read. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, John 8, verse 21. So he said to them again, Notable, again. I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. Verse 22 says, So the Jews said, Will he kill himself? Since he says, Where I am going, you cannot come. Verse 23, He said to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe, and there it is, there's the gospel, if you believe, unless you believe that I am he, that is the Messiah they were seeking for, seeking after, that I am he, you will die in your sins. Unless you believe that I am he, the one God the Father sent. We just sang it where meek souls receive him. Um, uh, these men were not meek, were they? They were, they were caught up in their pride, seeking to, to kill Jesus. And we can see clearly here the danger of unbelief. What is the danger of unbelief? Jesus gives it to them straight here in verse 24. The danger of unbelief is remaining in your sin, being held captive in your sin. Unless you believe that I am He, says Jesus, unless you believe that I've been sent from the Father, unless you believe that I'm the Messiah you seek, you will you will die in your sins. You will remain in your sin. That's the ultimate danger of the sin of unbelief, being held in your sins for all eternity, being separated from God for all eternity, facing eternal judgment, judgment for your sins for all eternity. That's the point that, that we thought about this morning briefly when we thought about in the previous passage that we looked at last week when the woman who was caught in adultery was brought to Jesus. He, he didn't condemn her. And the point is we don't need to be condemned. We need to be saved because we're already condemned in our sins. And here are these men pushing back against Jesus, fighting against Jesus, seeking to be done with him, seeking to kill him. And they're trapped. They're doomed. Uh, that's the danger of the sin of unbelief. If you remain an unbeliever, you are, you are trapped in your sin. And we can hear the frustration of Jesus elsewhere in a passage like Mark, uh, Mark chapter 9 and verse 19. 
uh, when he says, O faithless or unbelieving, <clears throat> O faithless or unbelieving generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Why don't you believe? Do you ever hear yourself saying that? Even if it's not out loud to someone you've been witnessing to, why don't you believe? It's so clear. You need a Savior. You're a sinner in need of saving. We're all sinners in need of saving. Why don't you believe? Jesus, it's, uh, Jesus speaking in this passage in Mark chapter 9, uh, have you not witnessed the miracles? Have you not heard me tell you who I am? Have you not heard the teaching, the preaching, the gospel? Why don't you believe? And this wasn't just a problem during Jesus' ministry on earth. In fact, it ought to give us encouragement to know that Jesus had those who faced him would not believe. We have those who we share the gospel with who, who just refuse to believe. We're not alone. We're a good company. Jesus faced it also. But this wasn't just a problem during Jesus' ministry on earth. This is still a problem today. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 4, Verses 3 and 4, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears they will accumulate for themselves, teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Unless we think that this is just a, a them-out-there-in-the-world kind of problem, and, and not a us-in-here kind of problem. It is. It can be an us-in-here kind of problem. It, it's not limited to people only outside the church. There will always be this temptation to leave the truth of the Bible, to depart from the truth, to walk away from the truth. There will all, always be this temptation in the world for us to give up what the Bible says, to walk away. Satan would love for us to do that as a church. In fact, Satan would love for us to remain a church and keep our doors open, and stop preaching the truth of the gospel, and welcome people in, and grow in number, and fail to tell them the truth of their eternal destiny if they refuse to believe in Jesus Christ. There will always be this temptation, even in our own lives as individuals, to leave the truth of the Bible for the temptations before us in the world in which we live. They are, there are many, and they are strong. And the devil is like a you know it is like a lying, prowling, a lion prowling about, seeking someone to devour. Devour with temptations. If we will just give in to them, that is, a, that is a form of unbelief. So the challenge is not just out in the world. The challenge is also for us to be careful that we're not caught up in unbelief in the way that we live. We might say, oh, I'm a believer in Jesus. I believe God's word. But if we don't take God's word to heart, and if we don't believe that it's authoritative for our everyday lives, then we're, we're in danger of being caught up in unbelief also. So what's the solution for the temptation to leave the truth and follow the world? It's what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4. This is still the answer to unbelief today. He said, preach the word. Preach the word. I charge you, uh, 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. 
how do you do that? He goes on to say, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. And in case that sounds harsh, he adds, with complete patience and teaching. The solution to unbelief is for the church to preach and teach the truth. I'll add a third. Preach, teach, and live the truth. The answer to the solution, the solution to unbelief for the church is to preach and teach and live the truth and for God to open blind eyes, the blind eyes of sinners, like, like he did for you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. That's our mission as a church. Preach and pray. Think we can do that? Preach the gospel. Teach the gospel. You can preach it. You may not be a preacher, per se, but your life should preach it. Teach the truth and explain the truth with your, with your lips as you have opportunity to share the gospel with others. Preach and pray. We preach and we teach and we live the word of God, live the truth of the word of God, and pray for God to save sinners. Pray for God to give us opportunities to share the gospel with unbelievers and pray that God will open their eyes to see clearly who Jesus is and believe in him. Because the signs of unbelief are all around us, aren't they? Do you see them? The signs of unbelief surround us in the world that we live in today. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 4.4, speaking of unbelievers, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan's okay with us being religious, as long as we don't see the light of the glory, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. As long as we don't see Jesus for who he is, and as long as we're not so humbled by who Jesus is that we fall on our faces and, and admit that we're sinners and repent and turn and trust in Jesus, as long as we don't do that, Satan's okay with religion. And it's very sad when we see uh, so-called churches all over the place who are, who are like that. They don't uh, proclaim the gospel anymore because they've left that behind because they've, they think they've gone on to bigger and better things. That's the danger of unbelief. And um, it could be us if we're not careful. And so we are to preach and pray and live the truth. The world we live in uh, seems to be increasingly moving away from the truth, away from the Bible. Yes, uh, I, it almost feels like as a nation we've left the Bible behind a long time ago. But even more so now, it seems like we're just giving up. We just forget what's the truth. <laughs> That's, you know, the, uh, the world that we live in just seems to pick and choose what the truth is. And, and, um, and it all begins with leaving the Bible behind and denying that the Bible's authoritative for all of life and practice and so we best not depart from the scriptures. Otherwise, we, we end up like the world saying that things that are, are true are untrue and things that are untrue are true. The Bible says this in 1 Timothy 4.1, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. And Matthew 24, 10 and 11 says, And then 
and then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And a departure from the truth can even invade the church. It's what, what we need to be on guard against. It says Second Timothy 4, 3. I pointed to this just a few moments ago for the time is coming, right? That itching ear, itchy ear syndrome. The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Well, some think the, the answer to that is maybe we have some, some more entertainment and try to slide the Bible in there and people will like it better. And, and that's a dangerous, dangerous thing to do because what people need to hear is the preaching of the word the unabashed, unashamed preaching of the gospel, of the truth. Uh, we we like, uh, like to limit this to people outside the church when we think of this passage here in 2 Timothy 4.3, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. We like to limit this to people outside the church. But churches who have once preached the truth can be found all around us and all around the world and are guilty of this. And so we must be on guard as a church and as believers. It really begins in the home as individuals and as families that we devote ourselves to the truth of God's word and say, this is God's word. I must obey. If my church departs from the truth, I will not. And as a church, we need to be saying the same thing. This is God's word. We must obey. We must preach and pray and live this truth. This is this is all we have, and it is a wonderful gift from God. And we need to share it with the world, but we need to be prepared, prepared ourselves to live by the truth and be devoted to the truth, come what may. So we've got to guard against the temptation to slide into false teaching. We've got to be certain we hold fast to the Word of God. And in fact, we have no excuse for not doing so. We've been warned. The Bible says, Jude, verse 18, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions get caught up in following ungodly passions if we lose sight of the the truth of God's word and the signs of unbelief are all around us and the danger is close and we dare not fall into unbelief ourselves and we must serve the Lord with the truth of the word pointing unbelievers to their only hope that's our task as a church Faith in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of sins. That's the message we proclaim. And it is a powerful and necessary message. One of the ways we can see unbelief is when we can see that people are controlled by the flesh and not by the Spirit. And may that not be true of us. The Bible in Romans 8-9 gives believers a word of encouragement and unbelievers a word of warning. Listen to Romans 8, 9. You, however, believers, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ, unbelievers, does not belong to Him. Don't forget, believer. Don't forget, that you have the Spirit of God in you. So don't, don't live according to the flesh. Live according to the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. How do you do that? You get the Word of God. 
before you. Anyone who believes in Jesus as Savior and Lord is a new creation. As a new creation, you have the Holy Spirit to help you take the word and apply it to your life. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God dwells in you, and that is an incredible gift. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So if you're in Christ, you're a new creation, you have the Spirit of God dwelling in you, what an incredible gift that is. Galatians 4, 6 gives us a glimpse of what this looks like in the believer. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You see, a, a true believer in Jesus has the Spirit working in them, even inclining their heart to cry out to God in prayer like a little child calling out to his parent, Daddy! That's how God wants you to call out to him. Abba, Father, hear me. A true believer in Jesus has the Spirit working in them, even inclining their heart to cry out to God that way, to humble themselves before God. You have a yearning in your heart to speak to the one true and living God. And then you should yield to the Spirit every day in all of life. We're going to dig into that in a moment here. The danger of unbelief is real for even believers, and so we need to guard against it. Remember, we have the Spirit. We have the Spirit's help. A true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ ought to have a yearning to talk to their Heavenly Father, to, to read His Word, to be with God's people. The flip side of this is that unbelievers do not have the Spirit of God dwelling in them. They do not have that inclination to speak to their Heavenly Father. They don't have that inclination to Submit to God's Word. They need to hear the truth. That's where preach the Word comes in. And it's for believers to hear the Word proclaimed, and it's for unbelievers to see it lived out in the lives of believers. They need God to open their eyes to save them, and they need to hear the truth. And thankfully, there is an antidote to unbelief. So what's the antidote to unbelief? First, let's think about Believers, we've touched on it a little bit. What should we do as believers to guard against unbelief in our lives? Even if we are in Christ, we are still tempted to, un, to unbelief. We're still tempted to doubt God's promises. We're still tempted to ignore God's commands. So what's the antidote to unbelief. I've hinted at it already. It's get the word in. Get the word of God into your heart and mind and life. For believers in Jesus, it is imperative that you get the word of God into your life. The Bible says this in 1 John 2 5, but whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. You see, the Holy Spirit works this incredible gift in us to assure us of our place in Christ as we take up the Word 
and take steps to obey it and honor God with our reverent respect and obedience. That's the fear of God that the Scriptures tell us we ought to live by. Getting the Word of God into your heart and mind and life is essential. Read the Bible every day is my challenge to you. Read the Bible every day. It's a living and active book. It takes, it takes into, it, 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 God takes the Word and takes it into your soul and uses it by the power of His Spirit at work in you if you're a child of God. So do not neglect the Word. You desperately need the powerful and sharp two-edged sword of the Word of God. And so I challenge you to take up the Word and get into the Word daily. Get the Bible into you. That is essential to fighting unbelief as a believer, to fighting doubt in God's promises as a believer, to fighting the temptation to ignore God's commands as a believer. If you want to use a Bible reading plan, then use a Bible reading plan. That's great, and I encourage it. If you simply want to read through books of the Bible, then do that. But one way or the other, I would encourage you to make a plan and challenge yourself to read. And I don't just say that because we're nearing the beginning of a new year where we all set these resolutions on the first. Devote yourself to God's Word. My brother Ken says he likes the, the Move the Marker Bible reading plan. Move the marker. You know, put the... Put your, uh, pick a book of the Bible and put your bookmark there and pick up tomorrow where you left off today. Keep moving the marker. That's a good one. Either way, make a plan. Devote yourself to it. pastor by the name of Jim Jeffries was uh, Carolyn and my pastor early on in our marriage. He became the president of uh, Baptist Bible College in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania. He's now a pastor again in Michigan. He says about Bible reading that if you simply ask Two questions while you read the Bible, you'll be greatly helped. Those two questions are, who is God and what does he want me to do? Just read the Bible and ask yourself those two questions. Ask the Bible those two questions. Who is God and what does he want me to do? I think that's good advice. It doesn't have to be complicated. Get the Bible in. Get the Bible into you. Get the Word in, however you choose to do it. Get the Word, get the Bible into your life, and I suggest daily. I challenge you with that, daily. You also need to speak, uh, seek the Spirit's control of your life. The, the Bible declares this in Galatians 5.17, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Praise God for the Spirit. Praise God for His Word. Imagine if God saved you, but didn't give you His Spirit. What a precious gift we have to have the indwelling presence of God Himself to help us do daily battle with the flesh the things that oppose what we, what we truly want to do as believers. You need the Spirit's help. I need the Spirit's help. And you should yield to and seek to be controlled by the Spirit so that you won't give in to the flesh, so that you won't give in to the old self, so that you'll grow in Christ and walk with Christ and mature in Christ. Again, the temptations are all around 
that would keep us enslaved to the flesh, says 1 John 4, 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Well, the false prophets aren't, aren't only religious leaders either. The false prophets or false teachings that, that appear in the world that we live in are all around us, and the temptations are many, and many come from within. So what are some of the steps that you can take to practice yielding to God? One step I suggest and recommend, and God's Word challenges you to do this, is to remove temptation or remove yourself from temptation. Remove temptation or remove yourself from it. Now, some temptations you can remove from your life. Some temptation you need to remove yourself from. But there are some temptations that are going to be very difficult to avoid. And so the Bible warns us in 1 John 2.16, for, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. We need to be on guard against the temptations that we can't remove from our lives or we can't remove ourselves from and learn to deal with them with the Word of God, with the help of the Holy Spirit. That's why you need to be in the Word daily and yielding to the work of the Spirit in you, yielding to the Spirit work with the Word and being on guard. We're surrounded by temptation from within and from without, in us and outside of us, temptations abound. So, so how can you prepare yourself to say no when, tempta- when temptations come? I, I think of it this way. Practice self-denial. Practice. Practice self-denial. It's what I describe as practicing saying no over something little in your life. Start, start with something little. Uh, even some big things you could think about this. Uh, practice saying no to yourself. You don't necessarily have to eat that. I have to say that to myself often. I remember a fellow who was a, was a good... Um, reciter of, of Scripture. I think we were talking about him Wednesday night, John. fellow that, that we've heard recite whole books of the Bible. And he was a big guy, but he also worked uh, through a... Um, he had a mission going on in Africa that he supported a... a um, I'm trying to think of what it was. It, uh, he was working... Yeah, I think it was an orphanage. He was supporting an orphanage in Africa. And he went over to visit... And he traveled throughout the day with some African pastors, and he kept waiting for them to stop for a meal. And he kept waiting for them to stop for a meal, and he finally said, do you guys ever eat? And they were not big like he was. He said, they, they said to him, oh, well, we don't have to eat every day. <laughs> and I've, that stuck with me, and I've tried to remember that. Well, I don't have to eat every day. Or I don't have to eat that. You know, that may sound harmless, right? To think about food that way. Or something else. Think of something else that you can say, I don't need that. I'm not going to be controlled by that. For me, it'd be, I don't need another cookie. Or I don't need another piece of pie today. We just enjoyed Thanksgiving together and, and all the kids that came to visit left. And there was a whole pumpkin pie left. And she doesn't like pumpkin pie. It was really good. 
<laughs> but this is what I encourage you to think about. Practice self-denial. Practice saying no to something in your life that, that may in and of itself not be sin, may not be sinful. But practice with some of those little things and even think of maybe some big things like buying a new car. Do I really need a new car? Do I really need to make that purchase? Whatever that is, practice using the no muscle. Why? Because you are surrounded by temptation to sin. And wouldn't it be good to have practice saying no to yourself when you are tempted to sin? The Bible gives us this instruction in Galatians 5.24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That sounds like it's a done deal, doesn't it? And yet you know and I know how challenging that is to, to put off the passions and desires of the flesh on a daily basis. And yet, when we humbled ourselves before the Lord Jesus Christ and admitted that we were sinners in need of a Savior, we were turning from sin and turning to Christ. And in Christ, we can crucify the flesh and put to death the passions and desires of the flesh. And we can praise God for that. And we have God's help with that. So while you're learning to say no to temptation, you'll also be helped to seek the fruit of the Spirit. This is a biblical way of thinking, too, about temptation and sin. When you put something off, it's important to put something on. Put off the old man, put on the new man. So don't just think of putting off or removing sinful things from your life or temptation from your life or practicing saying no about something, but also practice saying yes about biblical things. Seek the fruit of the Spirit. The Bible shows us in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, what we truly ought to long for and pursue when it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Here's the no muscle. Self-control. And you know what God wants? He doesn't want us to just go, let's see, which one of these do I want? Galatians 5.22 doesn't use the plural for fruit. It's singular fruit, as in, as in this is the fruit. These are not many fruits. This is the fruit. We ought to all long for this. We ought to all long to grow in these descriptions of what it is to be growing in the fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and patience and self-control. Colossians 1.10 says, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So I say, I encourage you, practice the yes muscle, pursue the things of God's Word, pursue seeking the fruit of the Spirit, growing in the fruit of the Spirit, seek to grow in those those descriptors of what God calls a growing Christ-like follower. This all begins with getting the Word into you, yielding to the Spirit, praying for His help, asking for strength to obey, saying no to temptation, seeking to grow in the fruit of the Spirit, 
And that's just part of the antidote to unbelief in believers. But that is a very good start. So what's the antidote to unbelief for the world? I said we need to get the world in, or the word in. Believers, we need to get the word in. We also need to get the word out. The antidote to unbelief in the world is for believers to get the word out. They will not all come here. We would like for all the world to come here so that we could preach to them. But what we're here to be recharged and go out this week and be in the world, even though we're not of the world, even as citizens of heaven, believers in Jesus, we're to be out there getting the word out. Believers get the word into their own lives and they get the word out into the lives of unbelievers. That's our role in this world as we serve for God's glory. That's why we're here, to serve for God's glory, to glorify God in the way that we live. Luke eleven thirty three says, No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. We ought to live in such a way that we are showing people the light. And they can't help but see it coming from us. And I say, and I suggest, that if you'll pursue the things that we talked about as we get the Word in daily and examine the Scriptures for ourselves and, and ask ourselves those great questions that Jim Jeffries says, what is, uh, you know, who is God and what does He want me to do? Get the Word in that way. Seek to humble yourself before the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Seek the fruit of the Spirit. Your, li- your life will become a light. You will be different. You may not recognize it, but other people will recognize it. They'll see there's something different. You'll have opportunities. But you should also look for opportunities to get the word out. How dare we light a lamp and stick it in the basement or cover it with a bucket. And the Bible in Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen, and 20 also makes our role in this world very clear when it says, Go. Go, therefore, and what? Make disciples. How do you make disciples? You point people to Jesus who trust in Christ, and then you bring them along in Christ, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them, there's that preach the word, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always. Praise God to the end of the age. In the end, as we seek to live for God's glory and seek to reach out to the world with the truth of the gospel, I think really we need to be like the man who brought his son to Jesus for healing. The, man, the, the boy was demon-possessed. Remember that? You remember that important phrase that came from the man's mouth? The man said to Jesus in Mark 9, verses 22 and 23, but if you can do anything, which is an interesting statement, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If, if you can, <laughs> all things are possible for one who believes. And we need to recognize, like this father did when he heard Jesus say that, that our faith, and we may have faith, but we're also weak in faith. At the same time, he said in verse 24, uh, one of my favorite reminders from the Scriptures I believe. Help my unbelief. It's a paradox, isn't it? I believe. And yet, I think we can all identify with that. If you love the Lord, if you want to serve the Lord with your life, you believe 
And yet, you recognize at times in your life you don't, you don't always fully believe because you don't always obey. And you don't always honor God with your life. And so I think we need to come to the Lord as we, as we think about how to live with the challenge of unbelief that's present and a temptation. Come to the Lord and say, I believe. Now, Lord, help my unbelief. Strengthen my faith. I pray this often for myself. I pray it for you that God will strengthen our faith, that will grow us in faith, that we'll trust him more, believe his promises more fully and wholeheartedly. I believe. Help my unbelief.